Holy exposition, Batman. Holy shit. Just, I mean, I think that the theme, other than the music we just played, that was so dramatical. Um, I, they, they could have just taken the Game of Thrones theme and been, we are so fucked, we are so fucked, we are so fucked, we are so fucked. I mean, because so many things are adding up to we're all so fucked. Everyone's fucked. Everybody must get fucked. Uh, literally. But we're going to get to that. So this is the season seven finale of Game of Thrones, the dragon and the wolf. Boy, howdy. Just so much. So much happened, guys. Um, let's start with that opening. Um, our sphere map thing takes us from King's Landing to Dragonstone to Winterfell, the Wall, and then Old Town. And I'm not trying to be one of those people who's like, I knew it was going to happen. I also had a bunch of stuff spoiled for me last summer. But, um, and everybody's been talking about the wall falling. The wall's going to fall. The wall's going to fall. I mean, that's not just me. That's just everybody who's alive who talks about Game of Thrones. But the way they featured the wall at Eastwatch uh, gave me a little, uh, a little tingly uh, feeling in my groin area. Yeah, that, some, uh, some, you saw that foreshadowing? A little bit, a little bit. Well, it was like like a lot of the different theories were what there's there's like the wall is going to fall or there's there can be a dragon in the well, wall. Well, the and big all one last year was that Bran, uh, because he let the Night King touch him, that un- unwarded the wall. Um, you know, Bran somehow was going to be the undoing of the wall. But we're going to get to that whole Sheboygan. Uh, we start out in King's Landing, and um, we're right outside the gates here, and we see the unsullied army is gathered in force just outside the walls. And Bronn's just checking these guys out, and the Lannister guys are like, hey, we got 500 barrels of oil to drop on these fools, my lord. And and Bran's like, you know, Bronn's like, you got to double down on that. And, and, and they're all calling him my lord, and he's like running the show, you know, because he's kind of earned his keep and his place in the army. And then we see um, him and Jamie kind of hanging out, watching the these guys down there, and they had this cock talk. I love this whole cock talk uh, where Bronn, is, in his crude way, is like, I don't get it. Why would you, like, fight in an army? What are you going to do with all your spoils of war, you know? And Jamie's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you, uh, maybe it's for family. And Bronn's like, you're not going to have a family without a cock. But it's funny because Jamie normally, normally all of the punchlines are going to Bronn. And this time Jamie has this, uh, he gets to say something like, you know, Maybe it really is all about cocks in the end, you know, from this big cock talk. It's it's a pretty funny little exchange. Um, and then Bron reminds Jamie, you know, your brother is on the side of the enemy. And Jamie says something about, like, he's always had a soft spot for the downtrodden. And then the Dothraki come. The horde comes down through the, the columns oh, of uh, so Unsullied. Yeah. And then he's like, I think. Think we're about to be the downtrodden. Yeah, we're the fucked ones now. <laughs> and again, this begins this whole theme of we're fucked. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, these guys have been on the battlefield with the Dothraki. They haven't even seen the Unsullied. So this is the first time they're laying their eye, eyes on the Unsullied. And then you've got the Dothraki screamers, and you're like, Ugh. even though the next shot is Euron's, you know, fleet, you're just on the ground, as you say. I don't know how the Ironborn fight. But there's the Lannister army trains at this all the time, and they're not even prepared to take on this group. Well, they both had they both had um, flashbacks of getting their ass whooped <laughs> yes, over did. there on the. They're probably the still front. cleaning those stains out of their breeches. <laughs> you can't get shit out of leather easily. Gotta tell you, 
It's kind of hard. Yeah. Not that I know that. Maybe I do. But anyway, it's difficult. And, and now we, we go from this huge, uh, you know, this master shot of Euron's fleet, and then we, we cut over to Danny's little sad Greyjoy armada. Her three loaves and a fish. Right. Her little tiny, <laughs> I'm on a boat. Um, I'm rowing on a boat. But Danny's not with them, by the way. Danny is not on the boat. Uh, John, it's John and Tyrion and Davos and Jorah and all those guys. And John is. Um, Did her whole fleet? Does that mean her whole fleet was destroyed? I think. Is that what that, that means? I think she's down to like a handful of ships. Yeah, she's I think she's got like four or five of them. That's fishing it. boat, yeah. a trawler, <laughs> right. a dinghy. She's got some jet ski skis, you know. One of uh, those things that go across the river. Just one of those uh, for your cars, <laughs> right? <laughs> just a, a ferry, a ferry boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dur, dur. So, <laughs> it's so sad. The Queen of Dragons just has a really shitty fleet. Uh, so John is asking Tyrion about how many people who live in King's Landing, and Tyrion's like like about a million. I think this is the first time John's never been to King's Landing before. This is the first time he's seeing it, and Tyrion's like, you know, a million people live there. And John's like, I don't get it. You cram all these people into this small space, and Tyrion's like, well, you know, there's more work in King's Landing, and the brothels are superior because you know he's a connoisseur of that. And then we cut below deck, and the Hound is. Um, He's agitating the white in the box. Now, the only reason I think you're seeing this scene is that to reassure us that after that big dragon battle and Viserion is lost in the whole nine, that they did manage to get their their white out of the fight. And, and how they transported, you know, showing whole, us how they transported it. Is it is the whole reason oh. we're here is to show uh, Cersei what's up. So that's interesting. And now we're in Cersei's chambers, and this is Cersei and Kyburn and uh, Jamie in the mountain – and Cersei is just annoyed to Helen back that Danny is not coming with those guys on the boat. What did she expect, though? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, again, Cersei is so out of whack this entire episode. I mean, I think she's literally going mad in front of us. I think she's been a mad dog, but I think she's literally losing her fucking marbles because she's so blinded by her own just greed for power. It's It's making her... She thinks she's being clever. She's just being vicious. And when you're so, when you're full of this kind of poison in your mind, you don't think very clearly. It's she doesn't have a cool head. Yeah, it, a lot of these, like she's banking on things that are just yeah seem ridiculous. Well, and then where you know we go up to where remember she blows up uh, the sept of Baylor. Jamie comes back. He finds out you know his last kid is dead. Because he committed suicide. And he's giving her that look as she's being crowned queen. And then all of a sudden, he's back to drinking the Kool-Aid. And we're like, what the hell happened to Jamie? Yeah, yeah. You know? But now, I think we're starting to see him getting back into that mindset. Because she turns to the mountain and she says, you know, if anything goes wrong, kill the silver-haired bitch first. Then our brother. And then this bastard who calls himself the king. And then the rest you can kill in any particular order that you see fit. And... And it's just like this really over the top thing. They haven't. She hasn't even heard anything anybody has to say. And Jamie gives her this look like, like he was giving her when he came back and she was being crowned. He's like, "What the fuck is up with this bitch?" So do you do you at this point? Are you kind of like, oh, maybe he's not going to go down with the ship, like I, we were saying last yeah, week? Yeah, we were just having like this whole yeah. thing last episode. Of I like, thought he was just like 
all just he's just gone. gonna go all the way to the bottom so here that gave me hope she says this like really vicious nasty thing and he's looking at her like why are you gonna be like that we just need we need to sit down and treat with them first so again the show does something interesting uh talking about foot journeys they did this when they were beyond the wall they do this as these groups are walking to the dragon pit um this is i guess where cersei has chosen to have uh, this meeting and and not without accident the dragon pit is significant in that it's kind of the beginning and the end of the targaryens uh the targaryens put their dragons you know they held them captive really inside of this dragon pit and was it covered at one point was it like it, it a was jail semi, it was semi-covered it was because it, it looked like a coliseum well jorah explains to miss sunday she's like why did they build this and he's explaining to her that um, the dragons were seen as dangerous because they really, you know, they might they'd eat a goat or two or some livestock, but they'd also maybe sometimes munch on the local kids. Now, I don't know if that was made up to trick the Targaryens into locking up their dragons. You know, I haven't gone back into the lore to see, because I know that uh, Danny's dragons were accused of killing uh, a farmer's uh, kids yeah, in the field back in Marine, but I think that was a setup by. I think yeah, it was a setup. Her enemies, so I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if these guys were talked into chaining up their dragons or holding them captive for some other trumped up reason. Because we know that dragons are not stupid. Um, they they don't just come when they're called. They understand who you are. So I don't think a dragon's going to be accidentally snacking on you know some local children in the street. So for whatever reason, um, that whole site there is worth it. If you, if you should go online and look up the dragon pit and look up the whole history of what went down, uh, it was rain. Uh, it was Rainus Hill, Rainus, Rainius Hill, Rainy's Hill. Um, it, it's been blown up a couple of times, but I think Cersei chooses it to remind Danny that you guys were defeated. I think that's why Cersei chooses this as the venue. It's like that saber rattling then. Absolutely. Kind of, you know, the blustering. Let me just, lest I remind you that even though you have dragons, this is where uh, all y'all ended up coming to one of your bitter ends in the past. Um, so we're, we're on our way there, and it's so, it was trippy. Wasn't it trippy? Here you see in this scene, you've got John, Tyrion, Jorah, Masande, the Hound, Theon, Davos and Varys and you're like this is so mind-blowing to see all of these characters <laughs> in just like the same scene it was just tripping me yeah. out I loved it it's yeah you just it's it's that same type of thing like when we were doing that uh you know the, the magnificent seven were going beyond the walls like oh man look at all these people in it, the same nuts. shot Th- these people alone just that group alone yeah. Uh, would just just could kill a whole bunch of fools, and Masande would be able to translate what happened in seventeen different languages. And then you also got the Lannister army. Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to they intersect. The next bit is they intersect with uh, Cersei's crew, and Bronn and uh, Brienne and Podrick are are coming. You know, they intersect in this yeah, place because because Sansa and I guess you know Sansa really did send Brienne yeah. down there. Yeah, we were like, was that a ploy? No, yeah. she actually did send. Uh, and you know what? Sansa's very smart not to want to oh, come to this mess. Oh, yeah. She's like, no, I'll just send Brienne. I'm good. I'm really good. I was a little surprised to see them down there. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure what, what I mean, 
you know, all those other theories of like, are they just playing this out, whatever. Sure. But when they was they were down there, I was like, oh shit. They well, really that also gave, it kind of gave me an inkling, and it probably I think it did you too about your theory. But let's let's not give that one away just yet. But I think when I saw her there, I was like, oh okay. But they the the cool thing is that Brienne and Hound see each other, and it's like what? Yeah. And um. But before we can even get to their little exchange, which is cool, Pod comes over to say hello to his former boss, Tyrion. He gave him his first job, you know, as squire. And uh, they have a little exchange, and they're happy to see each other. Pod's just a good dude. I like him. Yeah. He's just he's just that good guy. He's like Gendry. He's just a good sort. Yeah, and he's learning how to fight. At least Brienne says he's learning how to fight. I think, it, you know, in fighting just a regular person, Podrick could probably kill you. Yeah. Probably. You're fighting Brienne. You're never going to win, you know. But uh, so Tyrion and Potter saying hello to each other, and Rod's like, you know, come on, you can suck his magical cock later. And I was like trying to remember why Ron says that. And then I was remembering that Podrick, remember he goes to the brothel, uh-huh. and these pros, these ladies are like, that dude really knows what he's doing. So I think Bron and Tyrion find this out from like the brothel ladies that he's like, mm-hmm. And I was like, that it was a it was a callback that I had to go. What is he saying? Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yes, I remember that. Padre doesn't even have a girlfriend. You know, that's gonna be a very lucky lady and or man. I don't know his thing. Um. So then you got the Lannister soldier asking the Hound about the box, and he's like, "Fuck off!" Again, these there's a couple of scenes where I'm like, "Why was this in here?" I don't know why we needed to see the Lannister guy asking about the box. But didn't you say that it was the same Lannister guy that showed up in a couple scenes? Yeah, he the does. He dude? sort of pops up. But, you know, you're going to use – you're not going to – you got you got that huge cast. You're not going to, like, cast, like, five different, act, act, you know, extras to play a Lannister guy. You just use the same guy. But um, now we get Brienne and uh, Hound walking side by side. And this exchange is awesome because yeah. she's like – I thought you were dead. And he's like, not yet. You came pretty close. And she was like, I was only trying to protect her. And he says, you and me both. And then she tells him she's alive, you know, Arya. And he looks at her like, what? Where? Winterfell. And who's protecting her if you're here? And then she says, the only one who needs protecting is the one that gets in her way. Won't be me, he says. This is where that's where he said. Yeah, he goes. Won't be me. Like we're good. I'm not not going to be me. And they they both have that sort of like, you know, like the 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 warrior warrior thing is out of the nest. Yeah, exactly. Our our murder baby's all grown up. (laughs) Our murder bird baby is is flying. (laughs) Look at her killing people left and right. I'm so proud. Uh yeah, that was I just loved that exchange. The show has has been giving us these great moments, yeah. these great reunions this season, where everything's sort of coming together. And I, I, I loved this one. It was one of my favorite exchanges. Yeah, it's one. It's and it was one of those those humanizing moments for the Hound, because you know, the, ever ever since he's you know, whenever he was with Joffrey for that whole whole set of years, I mean, it was he was just this bad this bad dude who you know yeah. You kind of wanted to hate. Well, he believed himself to be low like a dog. No. He believed himself to be unworthy. And it's crossing paths with uh, with Arya, really. So you, yeah, you start to see this sort she of... She brought back yeah. his humanity. And I think having Brienne almost 
taking him to the brink of death and humbling him and then meeting the high septon, you know, Ian McShane. Yeah. And then the brotherhood, you know, he's his redemption story has been awesome. Yeah, it has been. And he has become again, He's like a favorite character He now. is. Yeah. Everybody's like buzzing about the Hound and yeah. how awesome he is uh, this year. And I also just love Rory McCann. Just as a person walking around on the planet, he's, well, what he's was, awesome. We were watching that. Was it YouTube? Where they're, um, he's, he's in the window with the guitar and he's singing. Oh, God, him and uh, <laughs> Christopher who plays Tormund. Just the two of them together. I'd watch them do anything. Yeah, I love them. They're pretty fun. And, and I'd probably watch a buddy cop movie with uh, Brienne and, and uh, the Hound as well. <laughs> with Tormund is like the 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 sidekick. Uh, so that you know, you have your proud murder parents, and now we go to this wide shot, and this is I, I kind of paused it again today. This is the third time watching it through, and this was the trippiest thing ever. I mean, it, it struck us even the first time we saw it. You get Lannister forces alongside Dothraki blood riders, and then you've got Bronn, Tyrion, Pod, Varys, Jorah, Hound, Brienne, Davos, Jon. It's like what it must have been like on set to have – I mean, some of these actors have never been in the same scenes together. They've just – they've been on the show for seven years, some of them, and they've never been literally on the same set. So seeing that and knowing, like, that must have been just a hell of an end-of-day party. Yeah, I mean, what is it just until this season – so we're seven seasons in? It yeah. would John and um, Daenerys, that's one, Yeah. right? They've never been – there's so many combinations that we just haven't seen. And I think it was Ian Glenn who was saying, you know, we haven't been in the same scenes yeah. together, man. And so we we are – this is the first time that we're working together on this show, and that just trips me out. So I have to, I have to pause yeah. and look at this and go, what the fuck is happening? When you Yeah, when when you take a, when you think about it, take a step back and look at that, it, it is kind of like – because I'm having one of those moments right now, and it's like, that that's a trip. Yeah. 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 All of those guys. Uh, and then you have these like wonderful exchanges that I've missed out on, like Tyrion uh, quipping with Bronn and Tyrion sort of questioning Bronn's loyalty. You know, like, hey, you know, it's not too late. You can switch sides if you want to. You know, we know we know how you roll. And he's like, you know, I've always told you, if you ever want to like come to my side, I'll pay you double. And Varys is like, double of what? Like, what's your worth now? And Bronn is like, hey guys, you can't talk to me like that anymore. First of all, second of all, it seems like I'm bringing two traitors to the door. I'm bringing you, know, you and Varys. I'm bringing them back to the queen. She'd be more than happy just to lop your heads off when she gets sick of hearing you yammer on about whatever and using your fancy words. And he says, "All thanks to Sir Bronn of the fucking Blackwater." And if that's not looking out for myself, I don't know what is. You know, and it's like no one really can come back with anything. So Tyrion just looks at him and says, "It's good to see you again." And Bronn's like. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see you too. You too. Yeah, it's cool. What do you think what do you think's going to happen to Bron? Do you Gosh. I mean, I I feel like these guys I think Weiss and Benoff are really in this writers room. I don't think there's a writers room. I think it's just them and maybe a couple of other people, but I think they're really good at saving the unsungs. I don't think you're going to just mercil- mercilessly kill Everyone and guys like Braun, they 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 end up like living through a lot of yeah. crazy shit. I mean, he's made it this far. Yeah, you know, Braun, Davos, you know, they're, Davos, they're, yeah, they're, they're all they're survivors. Yeah, like Tormund, Tormund, a lot of those guys. You know that you're. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm really attached to Braun at this point. 
I don't think anyone in that lineup we would be happy to lose. I'd be there's nobody like, oh, okay, you know, the Hound, Brienne, Davos. Like even no, nah, I don't. I wouldn't want to lose Pod. You don't want to lose any of these people. And I think they know that when they put that lineup together, it's like you do not want any of these guys to lose um, their lives in this fight. Lose a battle, maybe, but not your lives. Um, so now they're about to step away, and Hound, he once again warns a Lannister soldier about the box. And I don't know why. Okay, great. You've established the box on the ship. Great. The Lannister guy asks you about the box. And he tells you to fuck off. The only reason I think they might have had to do it this way is they had to cut up the scene. I think it was an editing choice because you had all these huge scenes that you needed to cut back and forth between. So I think that's the reason they were doing it this way. Because we know how important the white is. We don't need to keep cutting to it. So I think it was just an editing choice. It needed somewhere to go between these scenes, if that makes sense. And it was easy uh, just to shoot Roy threatening a Lannister guy about don't touch the fucking box. I don't know. It was distracting in a way because I'm was, looking for everything to have import. What's the, what's the, why is this important? No, I yeah, mean. I don't know. But he warns the soldier, he's like, if anyone touches it, I'll kill you first. Because. I want, do you think I mean, that. But the reason I think he says that is we went to hell and back. You know, Danny lost to Syrian. You know, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of good men lost their lives. At least four wildling red shirts were killed. <laughs> John had to take a, an ice bath and it sucked. So, you know, we went through hell and back for this. Yeah. So don't you even fuck with it. But I don't know that we needed to like concentrate on the box that much. Anyway, and now I'm distracting myself by <laughs> talking about the box. So now we're finally What's at the, in the box. <laughs> What's in the box? We're at the dragon pit. Um, they had this glorious recreation. I think they did a hell of a job. CGI set dressing. The show just knows how to take these things right off the pages of the book. And I just thought it was really yeah. awesome to see. I mean, if you could, if, you know, anyone who's listening, if you could watch some of the behind the scenes specials and the, and the, you know, after the show or inside the episodes, it is really cool to see how they make this show. I mean, so and, much, and so labor-intensive. Exactly, yeah. and that was exactly the word, so the, the word somebody used when they were doing the, um, the, um, the throne room over there at um, Dragonstone. Yeah, I think it was like the the, the head carpenter or someone was like, "This is this was so labor-intensive." And and you're like the the doors. They talk about how the the huge doors at Dragonstone and the huge uh, dragon heads are carved yeah. and hand carved and crafted and all this kind of stuff. And and you're gonna see it for literally. Maybe two shots, yeah, and maybe for less than four seconds. Um, but you feel that you feel that about the show. You see the weight of it. You see the scale of it. And and man, it, we appreciate it, and it pays off for the show, and it pays yeah. off for HBO. Man, it They're, really it it is it is totally believable. But it, that's why it's lost in I that think world. That's why I don't, especially a show like Game of Thrones. I just don't want to take the easy pot shots at it. I get annoyed when people fold their arms and sit back and go, they could have done this. I'm like, dude, then just watch something else. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. hear you complain. You have every right to your opinion. I just don't want to hear it yeah. because you just see how much goes into this. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyone can say, you know, they should have done this, but actually executing. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, my brain couldn't plan. even begin to come up with yeah. this. Or and you just see all of these craftsmen, these people who've been doing this for a very, very long time. Top of your game. Top of your game. You know, to the guy who painted the map on the floor, he was actually in the scene. Yeah. Uh, with Lena when she was, you know, I think he didn't count on being on his knees that long. Yeah, that's what they said. I would have hated that. So now we're at the Dragon Pit, and we see this beautiful dome, uh, part practical and also part CGI, and it's it works for me. I love it. And the crew is assembling to wait for Cersei because, you know, this bitch got to have a dramatic entrance. And um, Yeah, she came in all stormtrooper. right. But before this happens, this is a little interesting thing. So Bronn invites Pod to go and have a drink. And he was like, let the fancy folks talk. And when we first see it for a split second, I think you and I were, we were just like pausing it every action break, every other scene break. We were pausing it because we were so anxious. And we were going outside to like have a smoke and, and have our, you know, our wine and our, our whiskey. And we were just like, I think we had taken a break just before this happens. And I'm sitting here thinking, what? Is Braun and Pod leaving? Yeah, it did strike me kind of odd. And then I remembered why. That Jerome Flynn, who plays Braun, and Lena Headey, oh, they were a thing for a minute, and then it didn't end well. I don't know all the deets. But it led to... That drama shit. They are never on the, the same set together. Damn, so it was son. Like, the show is still accommodating this. I don't know when they dated. I don't know what happened. I don't know what it went down. And you want to sit here and go, that's their business and and whatever. But, dude, we never see you guys in the room, the same room again. So, huh, right? Anyway, way to just throw that out there on the screen. Um, and, by the way, we get a chance to finally focus on the costumes because people aren't walking. They're all standing around. And wardrobe department, holy shit. This this uh, costumer and this costume department, I mean, Emmy's out the butthole because... They're going to win all the Emmys. Everyone's costume is just straight fire. And they have been, like Daenerys' beautiful cloak when she rolled up to be on the wall. But, like, all the details. Yeah, you pulled that thing up and it was like... It had that the across the chest with the, the, um, the pin. Yeah. Drag, and then on the back, you turned it around and it was like... It was Drag, the back of a dragon, yeah. Back of a dragon. I was like, holy shit, that's badass. It's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. And, and, and But I noticed the detail in the men's clothing as well, from Tyrion to Jorah uh, to even, you know, Euron Greyjoy to, to Theon. Just so much work goes into their costumes. And, of course, you know, the ladies are always flawless on this show. But, uh, okay, so the fire thing. I just, I just want to say everybody's costume is fire, and you guys deserve all the Emmys. Uh, not that awards mean everything, but Jesus. Um, and then the Hound and Tyrion have a little chitty chat, and the Hound is wondering out loud. Now, these guys haven't seen each other for a minute. It's been a while. And um, Hound is like, am I going to die in this city? And Tyrion's like, oh, you might. And the Hound is like, this is all your idea? It seems like every bad idea some Lannister cunt is behind it. And Tyrion claps back with <laughs> some Clegane cunt helped them see it through, though. Yeah. Right? So we need each other, bitch. Now, you got the arrival of Cersei. So, you got the Mountain, Cersei, Jamie, Kyburn, and Euron. Euron. And uh, Brienne eyeballs her former crush, Jamie. You know, they're kind of looking at each other. And so, there's this great shot as they're rolling up into the dragon pit. Cersei gives Tyrion, like, this straight-up death look. And it's one of those, pan it's a pass-by shot that I love. 
And then the next shot is Euron giving, you know, hate fuck eyeballs to Theon. To Theon. And then we go to Hound staring down his red-eyed zombie brother, Gregor. And you're like, it's, it's, this is not National Sibling Day. Up <laughs> or Relatives Day. And then There's Hound walks... Beef in the Family Day. There's beef. It is, it is national, International Beef Day at the Dragon Pit. Nobody brought the potato salad. Everybody's just ready to whip out the razors. So Hayon walks over to, to Gregor. And again, I think for cutting reasons, we have to jump between scenes. We have to have things to go to. And they keep using the Hound to do it. And he goes over to his brother. And you're just thinking, uh-oh, is this going to be Clegg and Bowl? I mean, we're in an arena. And everybody keeps hyping Clegg and Bowl every single fucking season. When... Are when's the hound and, and the mountain going to fight? And of course, the mountain can't talk anymore. I never really was a big monologuing guy. But the hound's like, uh, Remember me? Yeah, you do. Uh, you're even fucking uglier than I am now. And uh, it's like, What do they do to you? Because it doesn't matter. It's not how it ends for you, brother. You know who's coming for you. You've always known. Now, I got to ask you Is this the hound? Hyping Klegenbowl for season eight. Or is this some sort of prophecy that the Hound saw in the fire when he was hanging out with the Brotherhood? Because he's having his own kind of brand visions now of shit. Yeah, what what it, does that mean? It could be. I mean, it's... It's um, it's like, you know who's coming for you. Yeah. Is that me? Because that's very... The Hound? Yeah, that's very cryptic. It's just like, you know, I see the future. So it could... I mean, maybe... I mean, I don't know. I, I I've never been a big fan of Clegg and Bowl in the first place. No, me neither. You know, I, I don't like, see uh, why we need it. You know, I mean, maybe along around season four, season five, that would have been a cool thing. Now I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. I really you, just don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was pretty cryptic, and it might be something obvious that I have totally missed. But that just seemed a little like, mm, little mysterious and weird. Yeah. Like, there's something from their childhood they've always known. I'm sure book nerds out there are like, I know exactly what it is. I can buy, I can buy the, um, you know, I saw it in the fire. I know it's, ha- I know it's going to happen. Either. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, can, I can buy that. And maybe that's why he's kind of a little bit calmed down about when he sees the mountain. Is like, yeah, I know how you're going to go out. And I think you do, too, because they turned you into this, like, zombie thing. Maybe you felt it and saw it, too. So, yeah. I think that was a prophecy for me. I don't think we're ever going to see Clegg and Ball the way people want to see it. No. The show is not going to give you that silliness. It, yeah, it doesn't need to. That, that's, well, not silliness. I mean, I know people are into it, but like, uh, eh. It does nothing for, I don't see what it would do for the, anything for the story. Yeah, Moving anything along. It's just, it's, it's a detour to solving. At this point, it is. We just don't need it. Yeah. Um, so then the hound, he goes away and he goes down to the basement, a dragon pit. Apparently there's a basement in the dragon pit. So he just disappears down there to go hang out with his white in the box. You know, everything's all dramatically set up in this thing. Could just put it right there. Yeah, that was the thing. Could just put it right here, and you know, (laughs) now we got to go down to the basement and bring it out. Because it was because when they when we saw it first time, it was like, oh, he's coming up the thing. That's kind of interesting. And then we saw it the second time, and it was like they dropped that box somewhere outside the thing, and now he's got to go underneath it. And I was like, this makes no sense. What what the fuck? He's like, come up to the floor, like kiss. (laughs) I mean, like, what's going on? Um, And then Cersei is just she's just annoyed. She's she's. Woke up annoyed. She's just pissed from day one. And she's like, where is she? Because she is so cheesed that Danny isn't there. You know, she wants to be the last one to roll up. She's the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. And Tyrion's like, she'll be here soon. And Cersei's like, didn't she travel with you? And he's like, no. And then this weird thing happens. 
Cersei gives Brienne some, gives just hard eights her, like eyeballs her. I, did I didn't notice, notice that. it until this third watch. Cersei gives Brienne this look, and then she cuts her eyes over to Jamie, and I'm like, "What just happened? Is that jealousy? Hmm. Is Cersei re- like looking at Brienne like you looking at my man? I, I know you like che- my man. I gotta check that out again because I do remember when they're walking out. There's that, you know, Brienne's talking to Jamie, yeah, and then we cut to Cersei, and yeah. Then, you but know. this little look right here, uh, I swear you need to go back and look at I it. I gotta check that out. Cersei is just giving hateful eight eyeballs at Brienne, and then goes to Jamie, and Jamie looks at her like, "What? I didn't do anything." Well, it know, was weird. You know, Cersei's all like suspicious now. She of is everybody. She's suspicious minds. You know who was also suspicious and went crazy? Mad King. Anyway, I mean, maybe this is also, or could it be that? Everyone's suspect. Everybody's suspect. <laughs> or is she like also doubly pissed off that that Brienne is here and not Sansa Stark? Do you know what I mean? Like she's annoyed that she didn't get her yeah, full due see, respect. That, that could be like too. redheaded Helfa didn't even come here. She sent the giant lady like, yeah. who's crushing on my brother. I think it's column A and column B. I think it's a little yeah. a little bit of both. But yeah, the whole look yeah. was just weird. Sansa didn't show up, and now Mm-mm. now Daenerys is coming late. I mm-hmm. mean, like what the fuck, mm-hmm. yo. Mm-hmm. She is not. She's so pissed off. It was a birthday party at four o'clock. She has not even had her wine for the day, or her yeah. gallons of it. Um. So then we hear Drogon and Rhaegal off in the distance, and Jamie, by the way, jumps out of his yeah. chair. <laughs> you can the- just feel his butthole pucker. <laughs> He's got that same. Uh, you know, it's that that. Um- flashback moment. Oh, he totally did. And he only saw Drogon, and now you got Rhaegal. And remember the last time that Jamie uh, and Danny were uh, in the same place, he tried to kill her, and Drogon blew him off his horse, roasted the horse, and Bronn, you know, saved his ass. So... And could have killed him. Could have killed him. And honestly, two of them is probably not making his day. Yeah. You know. But this is funny. Euron's over there with a boner. Because he sees this chick on the back of a dragon. He's like, now, I, that's that's somebody I want to be dating over this chick right here. But anyway. Um, and that's really what kills me is that Cersei thought she had the entrance of the day. But the real Beyonce rolled up and made you look like Taylor Swift. Snap! What? Mm. I got flowed in. <laughs> she, got, she got the helicopter pad. <laughs> well, he kind of made a helicopter pad. I also like the way he lands because he kind of tears shit up. Like, yeah. This is what I think of your dragon pit. And he's just all like <laughs> knocking bricks and shit around like fuck that and fuck this and fuck that. Now, this is when you and I kind of freaked out. So he lands. And again, again, these special effects are amazing. Danny looks, she's just fire. She's just so good. And that scale of her. But as he comes down and he's looking and he's blowing like his hot wind. And they're like, the bitch has arrived. Don't be messing with my mom's. We noticed that his horns on his head have turned green. Well, you picked this up. Did you Did you see it? The um... Immediately. And yeah. I watched it on the third pass even more so. It's like, is that... Because in certain angles, it's not there. But when he's dead on and he's landed and he like is horking at them like, hey, green... His horns are definitely green. And there's green also um spattered throughout his scales a little bit. Now I don't know if this has always been there, but I think we would have noticed it. Normally he reads as black and red. And that's how he comes off. That scene wait, did did you go back to that scene where 
where Drogon and and um, John have the face to face. Yes. And did, were you able to see the any similars or any? Differences? I didn't see that. I didn't see this this the green. Color shape? Oh, interesting. You know, I didn't see this green. So, I don't know if that's a morning thing. Again, I'm sure there are nerds out there. But it's you know his are going like yeah, that's what happens. I had read a long time ago, and I don't know if this is just people making this up or this is this is canon. But I had heard that wyverns um, sometimes take on the colors of their fallen um, brothers and siblings and stuff like that. So it could be that the, the show is telling us that. But I don't, I don't think that was a mistake. They don't make mistakes on the show. Yeah. You're hand-painting that dragon in there. So I'm You're sure picking the color for I think it, yeah. he's I think he's flying the colors of Assyrian and mourning and has taken, you know, maybe it's like a Skyrim dragon roar thing. Maybe he took a part of his brother along with him. I don't know. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Dragons because are mysterious. His, I mean, his they brothers, can change their sex and the yeah, whole thing. He's alive. He's just yeah, dead alive. He's dead alive. Uh, okay, so then you know he flies off. Him and Rhaegar fly off, going, "I'll, I'll be back to pick you up." And then he takes your seat. Takes me when you're ready. It takes me when you're ready, Mama. Cersei is like, oh man, like right now she's she doesn't like it. That she's got these dragons and she's rolled up like this. And just sister will not even give a, the girl any kind of credit. It won't even like, she snaps her uh, eyes over to Danny and she's like, we've been here for some time. And Danny, who is not sorry at all, just gives her dead-eyed face like, my apologies. What? <laughs> right? <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Uh, and then Tyrion, it, you know, gets up, you know, he's going to tell and make the case. He's going to present the PowerPoint to Cersei while we're here. And just when he's about to launch into his presentation, Euron uh, pops up uh, and starts taunting Theon about kidnapping Yara and says, you know, if you don't yield to me, I'm going to kill her. And Tyrion and Jamie are exchanging looks like, what the fuck is this about? And Jamie's like, I don't know What's what he's this doing either. Doing? Yeah. And then Euron says to Tyrion, you know, where where I'm from, you know, they kill people like you at birth, you know, more dwarf, dwarf taunts and jokes. And Jamie's like, sit down, bitch. Do you think that was, do you think that was planned? Or do you think that was just It definitely sort of... felt like something was going on. I think there was, I'm not quite sure what it was, but there was some, there was some kind of thing going on Cersei, there. Seriously, like, staged, he's like, okay, at this point now... Get up and pretend like could be, you know. Yeah, I think I think because uh, it just felt very weird. Again, do we need a place to cut to? You know, because you have a bunch of people in one scene and you're not cutting away. You're not going to Winterfell and back to here. If you're in this scene, is this an editing choice or is this is are they pulling something? Because we find out something has been pulled, but we'll get to yeah. that. So then Cersei even turns around to Euron and's like sit down or leave and the mountain like puts his hand on his sword like bitch gotta get out and Euron sits down and shuts up and Tyrion continues and he says this interesting thing it kind of gets to the point of you know we're all we all don't like each other it's it's very obvious and we're entirely capable of waging war against each other without meeting face to face we don't we don't need to even do this and so she's like so why are we here? You know, you want us to just settle our differences and be all hunky-dunky. And he's like, we know that will never happen. She's like, okay, seriously, what the fuck are we doing here? And John steps in and is like, this is not about living in harmony. Okay, guys, it's just about living. And the same thing is coming for all of us. 
And he tells Cersei, you can't negotiate with this guy. And he doesn't leave corpses on the battlefield. And your one million folks that live in King's Landing will become part of his unstoppable death tsunami. Like, it's coming. And then she quips, I imagine for most of them it would be an improvement. And John, you know how people in the North don't like jokes in the first place. They don't really have a lot of, a lot of stand-up comedians in the North. Especially not any Starks that are doing open mic. Well, maybe Arya. No Starks at the open mic. <laughs> Arya would be probably the funniest one. Not Bran. Bran would just be terrible at it. I'm the three-eyed raven. Here's the punchline. Rickon probably was the funny one. But Rickon was probably the funny guy. Yeah. He was probably, he had all the jokes and now he's dead. Just didn't he know can't. how to serpentine. Fuck. Rickon's somewhere serpentining in heaven. It's like, fuck, I should have learned that one. This is what, see, I can do it now, Dad. Yes, it doesn't matter now. Um, so he says, this is serious, John says. I wouldn't be here if it weren't. Like, bitch, I should be in the north. I should be my, taking on my dragon glass back, getting ready for war, but I need to tell you something. And Cersei is just, okay, what's this truce about, really? And Danny's like, it's a truce, that's all. And Cersei's like, so you want me to pull back my armies and stand down while you go on your monster hunt? And Danny giving these steely looks. But here's the cool thing about Danny. Danny is not like seething with rage. You have Cersei over here who's just basically just like spitting venom and bile. And Danny's like, I don't like you either, but you barely have control of yourself. And she's just like looking at her like, you have my word about this truce. And Cersei is just snarling at her like the word of a would-be usurper. And then Tyrion's like, there's no conversation that's going to erase the last 50 years. We got something to show you. So then the hound, like Kiss, comes up from the basement, uh, you know, with the white on his back, this big box. And he undoes it for everyone, and then nothing comes out. And there for a split second, we're all like, after all of this lead-up with this box, after... All of him checking it twice and checking on it and guarding it and guarding it and guarding it. Did the shit get out? And for a second, I thought, that fucking Lannister soldier has let that white out. And now Flea Bottom is like a bunch of White Walkers. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was like, it was kind of, it it, it was kind of like, you know, the fright moment. Because like when he was opening the thing, I was like, he's opening it and he's reaching across the open part of it to move it. I'm like. Yeah. That thing's just going to spring out and grab both of your hands. And turn the hound you into should, a yeah, white in front of you us. You should be behind it, kind of pulling it out. And then it didn't didn't come out. And then I was like, oh, we're going to have one of those gotcha moments or, you know, those fright moments. And we did. Yeah. Because when he kicks the box uh, over, he kicks it towards Cersei. And this thing that we don't know until the last second comes skittering yeah. out of there horror style. And is just within snapping distance of, of Cersei's face. Yeah. And well, it's I mean, he's, he saw it in there, so he's he's looking in, so you know it's there, right? But it was just the the way they played it, the way it was. It, I thought it was pretty it, funny. It was funny. It, it was, was a comical moment yeah, for me. Yeah. I liked it. So everybody is like seeing this thing. You know, the people who haven't seen one for the first time, what a demonstration! Like everyone's shook, and Cersei is rattled, and it's very difficult to rattle Cersei. Um, you know, she takes news like, oh, Tommen, by the way, jumped out his window and he's dead. She, you know, she's like, wine, let me see him. But this kind of freaks her out. Um, Jamie is sitting over there going, 
holy shit, man, what is this? I mean, we just saw dragons and the Dothraki, and now we get these things? We got these dead things? What are you even talking about? And then Kyron's going, ooh, I want to see it. It's a new toy. <laughs> right? And so Hound uh, slices this hand off this white, and it's, you know, and cuts it in half, and it, it's just wriggling around. It's, it's not even close to dying. And Kyron picks up the moving hand like, wow, this is pretty neat fun. And then John takes it from him. He and just like he just hands it back. He's like John reaches out and he just hands it to him. Yeah, it's like okay, that was kind of cool. Thank you for letting <laughs> me bring you, touch your project. <laughs> right. And then John demonstrates how you can uh, kill the White Walkers with fire because Davos, you know, sets this torch on fire, and then you can also kill them with dragon glass. And he's got his dragon glass dagger when he says, you know, and if we don't win this fight then this is the fate of every person in this world. So then he kills it, and he steps to her, you know, in conclusion, there's only one war that matters, and that's the Great War, and it is here. And then Danny, like, to reinforce this, says, I didn't believe this until I saw them. And, and I saw them all. I saw a bunch of them. And then Jamie, who's still shook, who's got fresh dookie in his breeches, goes, how many? And she says, a hundred thousand at, at least. least. And... Nicola has this way of, like, making his forehead kind of, like, expand. So we get full forehead from Nicola, like, what the shit did you just say, you know? And this is a guy, you know, who's faced off with Drogon, who's been on this battlefield, who's seeing new and improved, killerizing shit every day. He, he's imagining what that's going to look like. He's imagining the folly of taking on something like this. Because he's been on battle. He can do that math in his head. Now, this next thing is interesting. So Euron Greyjoy jumps up, goes over and inspects this thing. He asks John if he can swim. John says no. And then Euron goes, well, taking my, fl- uh, my fleet back into the Iron Islands. Uh, we're surrounded by water. We're just going to kick it. They're going to kill all of you guys. Um I've been all over the world. I've seen things you can't even imagine, and this is the most terrifying shit I've ever seen. I'll just wait it out over there. I'm just going to be just hanging out. And um, he goes over to Danny as he leaves, and he said, you should go back to your island too because uh, I'm gone. And it's interesting because I don't, I'd never believed it for a second that Cersei would even let this guy leave. I mean, she would have just had the hound cut him, I mean, the the mountain cut him down. So that was, it, again, another weird thing of just letting him walk away was strange. Yeah. She's not going to give up her fleet. She has so many limited resources that I didn't believe that for a second. So. Well, it's either that or she, she you know, she completely, well, I mean, at that point, you can't, I guess you can't make the assumption that she's Trusting too much on the the golden or is it the the, the golden company? Yeah, the golden company. Well, before but. we even get to this this whole golden company deal she's made, uh, we have this moment where Cersei. I think she literally does see sense. I think she she sees this demonstration. I think she's really shook, and she says, rightly so. You know, if we don't fight this undead army, all of this will have been for nothing. All of this. Everything we've been through will will be for naught. And, she, and again, I don't, I mean, you could correct, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but she accepts Danny's truth here, and she says, until the dead are defeated, they are the true enemy, okay? I don't think it's a ploy at this point. I think she actually is telling the truth. She is about to stand down and let them do their shit, and she's cool. And everyone's relieved, and John, you know, is like, finally, great. It went well. She bought it. We did it. And then she turns around and says, in return, the king in the north will extend his truce. We will extend this truce. You're going to remain in the north where he belongs. You will not take up arms against the Lannisters. He will not choose sides. And then Danny's like, just the king in the north, not me. And then Cersei's like, I would never ask it of you. You would never do, agree to it. And if you did, I wouldn't trust you. Uh, I would trust you even less than I do now. Then she does this. I ask it only of Ned Stark's son. I know Ned Stark's son will be true to his word. John's like, fuck. Yep. You got me. Well, about that. Yeah, I am true to my word, or I try to be. And that's why I can't give you what you ask. You cannot serve two queens. I've already pledged myself to Queen Daenerys of House Targaryen. And everybody, including Nanny, is like, oh, John. Again, what's the theme of the show? We're fucked, fucked, we're fucked, fucked. And then Cersei's like, fuck you then. I'm out. She just stomps off, right? Yeah, she's like, the dead dudes going to hit you guys first in the north. Y'all have a good time dealing with that. And then we'll deal with whatever's left of you guys. And John, like, she, 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 saw, she sashays away. And John is like, oh, I really blew it, didn't I? And then Brienne grabs Jamie and like, you got to talk to your sister. And she goes, did you, did you, we saw the same thing just then, you know, come the fuck on. And Jamie's like, you know, I'm loyal to my sister, girlfriend, and you're loyal to Sansa and her dull brother. And Brienne's like, fuck loyalty. Now, this is the first time we have ever heard Brienne, who's just oath happy, oath keeper, duty bound, go fuck loyalty. Uh, this, this shit right here goes beyond houses and honor and oaths. You need to talk to you, girl. And Jamie's like, and tell her what? Right? Yeah, there's no talking to Cersei. There's just, there is no talking to Cersei. I mean, that's going to be your downfall. I think Maggie the Frog knew this back then. So now everybody's on John's case. Danny, like, comes over to him and says, Are you fucking serious? Like, I appreciate it. I get it. But did my dragon die for nothing? And Tyrion's like, Yeah. Also, by the way, thanks for bending the knee, but. Can you try lying? Do you guys like ever lie? And I'm I'm kind of agreeing with Tyrion at this point, aren't you? I'm like, would it have been so hard for John to like to tell a little white lie? Because he he bends the knee in private to Danny, and only the two of them know this. He hasn't done this, you know, in front of everyone. Although he has sent a raven uh, to his sister in the north, but we don't know the timing of these things yet. So I thought, I thought that was interesting. And just when I was about to side with like Tyrion and Danny and the gang, uh, John goes, I'm not going to swear an oath. I can't uphold. And I know this is exactly what got my dad killed. You know, this is exactly what got him killed. You know, he, he held his yeah. honor to the end. And look what happened. Cersei and Joffrey got the guy killed. You know, and then he says, and when enough people make false promises words stop meaning anything and then there's no more answers only better and better lies and lies are not going to help us in this fight so now i'm like okay well john is right you know and the, in the long run I, yeah he's right 
you know, would it have made any difference if if he said fine? I mean, I don't think anybody on that that northern side, you know, with with Tyrion and various, I don't think any of them believe Cersei, regardless of what she says. Right. When basically though, Tyrion, like the next thing you know, he says is, you know, that's all well and good, but we're fucked. And yeah. yeah, he just and he knows, and this is a this was a strange moment. Tyrion believes he's the one who should go and talk to her. And Danny's like, hold up. I did not come all this way to have my hand murdered. And he's like, yeah, trust me. I don't want to get murdered either. And John's like, no, I'll go. I did this. And he's like, oh, no, she'll definitely murder you, dummy. You're not going back there. So he, I don't know why Tyrion has this faith in himself. Because he's not an arrogant guy. Um, he has a very realistic view of the world and what can and cannot be done. And sometimes he's wrong, but in this case, I'm like, he seems to have this confidence that he can, he can at least talk some sense into her. Well, I think maybe he knows he can read her because again, yeah, you're coming, he's not in love with her. Like Jamie, you're coming here to, to have this treaty, this truce. I, again, I think if any one of them came in, thinking that we're going to walk away with the truce, even if Cersei says so, we can't trust her. Yeah, but for There's... some reason, well, 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 this next scene is telling because Tyrion, while he on the way to, to see Cersei, he runs across Jamie and Jamie's like, everybody thinks I'm an idiot for trusting you. And Tyrion's like, oh, dude, I'm about to go into the same room with my sister who wants me dead and has had to you know, try to kill me a couple of times. Who's the biggest idiot here? You know, I'm the bigger idiot in this equation, and Jamie's like, well, from we, I guess we should say our goodbyes, you know, because she's just going to probably fucking kill you, dude. So goodbye from one idiot to another. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like this great exchange of like, yeah, we just we just started hanging out again, but it's nice knowing, yeah, you're going to die. And he walks right into Cersei's chamber, and I keep going back to what Vera said about a small man casting a large shadow. And I found this particularly brave. And I also really enjoyed seeing Peter Dinklage and uh, Lena Haiti in the scene together. I think they're friends in real life. I think he actually got her on the show. Um, it's been a this, while since they've part. been together. Yeah. And they really spar well together. I think they're very comfortable with each other. And they, they play off of each other really well because she is so... Of all the things she's pissed off about today, she is seething with rage at Tyrion. She's probably hates him more than anybody that came to that meetup. And you can just see it in Lena's face, the way she's playing it. It's like she just wants to bite his head off and chew it up. And they get into this back and forth, and he's trying to tell her, look, you know, Danny wanted to come to the city and roast you. I talked her out of it. And I know that you think that I'm evil and, and terrible, but I never really wanted to hurt our family. She's like, dude, you killed our dad. He goes, yep. Yes, I did. He and, was about to kill me. Right. And he accused me of something I didn't do. And she's like, you know what you did to, to this family? You left us open. So because of that, because what you did with that crossbow, when you killed Tywin, our pops, you left us open to the rest of the world. You made us vulnerable. And she blames all of the deaths in the Lannisters' family and all their plight on Tyrion. And he's like, 
are you kidding me? I didn't want to kill the children. And she's spitting back at him, and he goes, you know, you're right. I'm always going to be a threat. And he starts goading her into killing him. He's like, put an end to me. Yeah. You know, if it weren't for me, you'd have a father. If it weren't for me, you'd have a mother. If it weren't for me, you know, you'd have your children. And he goes to her and he says, give, give the word. Stands next to the mountain like, strike me down. I was like, whoa, are we going to do that? Are we going there? I really thought for a second. I kind of did too. I was like, holy fuck. The biggest surprise I don't think would have even been that Tyrion would have died. It would have been sudden and sucky and awful, but not wholly a surprise. The surprise came in the fact that it didn't happen. She can't do it. She yeah. just, she literally gets up to the, the mountain has his sword halfway out of its sheath. And you're like, holy fuck, this is about to be a rap on Peter Dinklage. And she doesn't do it. And I'm still, I'm looking at that on the third watch going, she feels something for her brother. Is that Lannister loyalty? Has she always secretly had some sort of respect and admiration for Tyrion? Or is it that maybe he's right and she's wrong, and if she's wrong, she's fucked? <laughs> Could be. You know? Yeah. Because, I mean, what if she kills Tyrion? Is she afraid of uh, what those forces outside are going to do? But see, I didn't take it that way. I think there's something that she has inside of her for Tyrion. I mean, there's theorists who would tell you possibly that she knows that he's a true Lannister and she's really a Targ. But, you know, just the secret Targ thing out of it, I think she has, there's something there for her. I don't think, I think she has very human moments and this is one of them. And Cersei never has a human moment. You don't believe it for a second? <laughs> you think it was all a play in some way? I don't know. I mean, you don't trust it. I, I don't. I just. I don't. I don't trust her. Just like I don't trust Littlefinger. Yeah. You know. You think everything they do is just has an angle. Yeah. Because they're so yeah. far. They're, they're so far gone down the path of self-preservation. Yeah. That it's like. I mean, any rational person would say, "Okay, there's fucking zombies," and. Uh, Let's go ahead and take care of that, and then we'll figure things out later. Like, yeah, and she's far from rational. You know, I mean, like, like seriously, who gives a fuck about an Iron Throne, really? Yeah, you're not going to be sitting you on know? it. You're going to be standing for the rest of your life because whites don't sit. Yeah. I've noticed. Uh, so he needs a drink. I think we all needed a drink after that. He goes and pours himself some wine, gulps it down, and then he pours her a glass and he leaves it on the table in front of her. And then they had this moment, like, you know, how you're, you're, you're with somebody and you're just, you fight to this point to where you say all the shit you always wanted to say. And then there's that kind of moment where you're exhausted afterwards. You're kind of like, fuck. And I think we all felt that in the scene because it was so well played. And he tells her, he's like, look, I love the children. And you know that, you know, I loved those kids. And I really regret that. And she's like, you cost us the future and he doesn't he just can't make her see and she goes well, why are, so why are you backing danny why and he goes because i think she'll make the the world a better place and she admits she goes i don't give a shit about that you're right i don't give a fuck about that i don't give a fuck about making the world a better place or people suffering she doesn't give a shit about people in king's landing she doesn't give a crap about the people she just wants to rule she just wants to power trip yeah. 
That's, and see, that, that's her. That's that's her fatal flaw, that's, right? That's what's going to be. Yeah, it never works out for people who are like power hungry. Mm-hmm. It's always good news when somebody's that power mad because they always topple. <laughs> Just thinking about what's going on right now. I mean, anyway. even like you know, Daenerys, she's got all this these powerful forces behind her, but she's not. Sometimes it's like, dude, really? And then most of the time, she listens. But when you force loyalty, when you force people out of fear to follow you, then you're fucked. You're fucked. We're so fucked. We're so fucked. So she's she's clasping her stomach, and he he puts two and two together. He's like, "You're fucking pregnant." Um, and and she's like, "Yeah." And I saw that thing come out of that box, and it it it, it the opposite of what you're saying. Of any rational person would go. Oh shit, everybody around us is going to be a white. Maybe I should like get on board. It's like, huh. Okay. This made her double down even more on self-preservation. So, yeah. Um so we're at the Dragon Pit and uh Danny and John are having this talk while they fondle small dragon bones, which in their world is uh this is what passes for Stark Targaryen uh foreplay. That's how I took that. And uh she talks about how the dragons make them extraordinary. And she talks about how, you know, this was the beginning and the end, this this particular place for the Targaryens. And without our dragons, we're not extraordinary. And John's like, you know, look, before you go down this kind of self-pity Targ thing, you're not like everyone else. And she isn't like a traditional Targ. She's... I think there is something in her that has not is not going to go completely mad. You know, and he's like, you're still here. But she's like, I can't have children. And he goes, who told you that? And she goes, oh, with the witch who murdered my husband. And he's like, have you ever considered that she might not be a reliable source of information? And sort of, we know. We know in this moment. We know what's going to happen. We know that they're going to bone. And we know she's going to have a baby. Come on now. Everybody knew that. As soon as I started falling dragon bones and talking about babies and witch curses and stuff, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's like, what now? And she's like, well, I can't ignore this undead army. I saw it. And I can't deny the fact that as soon as we march north, Cersei's not going to take the country. And John's like, you know, well, I guess Tyrion was right. We are totally fucked. So then Tyrion returns. And uh, then right behind him is Cersei and the crew. And Cersei's like all smiles. And and we don't know what was said at the end of that, you know, conversation between her and Tyrion, but she's pledging her armies to this cause. Yeah. And she's like, we're going to face the darkness together. Now, did you believe it? No, I, I, I there was always some some type of something there. Yeah. You know. I mean, you did you like for a second go I didn't believe it. No, you just you still you just don't believe anything that she says. No, no, I don't. Okay, there you go. No, I don't. Because I mean, she's just you just can't. No, I mean you you're stupid if you do. Yeah, and even even Tyrion was he, they were having that she he was having that conversation with with Daenerys last episode, and he said, "Yeah, she's planning how to to trap you, and how and she's." expecting you to trap her too that's all she does she's always playing something she's playing an angle. always something up her sleeve and she was uh so winterfeld uh we're we're over there and this raven is struggling to get a text to the castle he's just flying through the storm and uh we we see sansa sitting there at the table 
And he's getting her all riled up. He's filling her head with mess. And he's like, she's just gotten this raven that Danny has been, that the John has bent the knee to Danny. And she's like annoyed. And he's like, I can't believe she didn't, he didn't ask you. And she's like, well, that's what he does. He didn't ask me. He just does what he wants. It's his signature. And then Littlefinger's like, you know, they're probably going to hook up. They're probably going to get married. Um, you know, this would make sense. And, you know, that, what does that mean? Then you don't get to have what you don't, you don't get to be the lady of Winterfell. And then he starts, uh, she says, he starts pitting, further pitting Arya and Sansa against each other. You know, why do you think she, she's got that scroll on you? And she's like, you know what she is now. Like, I'm terrified of this bitch. She's a faceless man. And Littlefinger blows this off. Like, oh, I've heard rumors. And she's like, no, she's actual, she's actually an assassin, dude. And he's like, I don't know. What do you think about her? And she's like, I don't know. What do you think about her? And he goes, sometimes when I try to understand a person's motives, I play a little game, and I assume the worst. And he leads Sansa through all of these kind of choices. You know, he takes her right down that chaos ladder into, ultimately, she wants to be the Lady of Winterfell. Now, I think if we had believed for a second that Sansa was drinking the Kool-Aid, I would have been fucking pissed off. Um but it doesn't go that way. So now we're at the Dragonstone conference room. Essentially what we get out of the scene is you got all the, the crew in there is that Danny decides that she is going to sail with John to White Harbor. And, and again, these decisions are fortuitous. These decisions have weight and impact. The idea is that Danny is going to ride alongside John to show solidarity and to show the queen's journey and that she's fighting for the North. And she's very happy about that. Yeah, she that. wants to save the North. She wants that's to save her them. thing. Yeah, that's her thing. She was, you know, she wants to rule this whole place afterwards. Um, so then we're out in this little scene, the Dragonstone throne room, we'll call it, and Theon wants to have a word with John, and they have this exchange where, you know, we're watching pitiful Theon for all this time, you know, and he's just like, "You've always done the right thing," and. I've always wanted to do the right thing, but I'm not good at that. It feels like it's an impossible decision. And he has this moment of like, why do you always do the right thing? And then John's like, I've done plenty of things I regret. And he's like, not compared yeah. to me, you haven't. <laughs> he's like, well, compared to you, yes, I haven't. <laughs> but other people. <laughs> if we were like, if you we were like anybody else, Yeah. And then he, he's asking, you know, John says, look, our dad, Ned was more of a father to you than your asshole dad. And you betrayed him. But I got to tell you that he is still a part of you, Theon. And for what it's worth, I, no, I can't fully pardon you or forgive you all your sins. But what, what I can forgive, I do. And by the way, you don't need to choose between being a Greyjoy and a Stark. You're both. You are a Greyjoy and you're a Stark. And you see something break inside of Theon. Like he he needs to hear this, right? It's He's been hurting for so long. For like six seasons. Yeah, I'm so tired of watching him. It's like watching Jesse Pinkman cry and like Breaking Bad. It's like, dude, cheer the fuck up. And then he starts talking about saving... Yara and how she was the only one who came for him when he was uh, Ramsay's captive and his ha he, his trifling ass wouldn't go and she risked men and got men killed and he's like you know she needs me now and John's like so why are you even talking to me dude and we're like snap 
Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens to Theon now, because now it's sort of like... Now I can watch him. Yeah. Because the next thing he does is he goes out to the beach, he faces off with Salty McGee, and the Ironborn that have sworn themselves to Yara are now like, fuck that, she's captive, we're going to go, we hear about these whites, we're going to go find an island, we're going to reeve, and we're going to chill until this is all over with. And he's like, you can't do that, Yara says no. you can't reeve, and they're like, what, what? fuck off. She already made that pledge to... Uh... To, to Danny. To Danny. So they get into a fight, and you think, oh, Theon, what's happening, man? Am I just going to watch Theon get his ass beat? And there for a little bit we do. We see him get thrown down, and Salty McGee's like, you know, if you get up again, I'll kill you. If you get up again, I'll kill you. If you get up again, I'll kill you. Stay down. Stay, Stay down, down, bitch. And then he knees him in the crotch, and, you know, the cool thing about having your cock cut off. I got no stones on me. That's right. So it gives them an advantage. Yeah, the, when you don't have a pain, it's hard to get knocked in the dick when you don't have one. So this gives him an opportunity. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, I guess it wouldn't hurt like if you get hit in the nuts. But when we look at he's getting need, Theon has like this smile, like well, it's I would not imagine. Hurting me. <laughs> right. It's like, but it it still does hurt though. You're getting hit. Well, I mean, maybe, but I don't. I would only. I would assume that Ramsay would cut off. Uh, the twig and berries. Uh, d- didn't he? I thought he... Of course. He cut his whole... The flayed men don't everything. leave anything behind. Yeah, I think he just... He, he cut off the whole thing. So there's nothing really there. It's just a bunch of scar tissue. So so he ends up killing Salty McGee, making the guys pledge to go save Yara. So she's got rescue coming on the way. That's it's our season eight thing that's happening with Yara and the Greyjoys. She's got like 15 uh, Ironborn Special Forces to go right. rescue her. Still Team Six. So we're we're at Winterfell, and this is a big scene. And again, you know, we've gone past our usual hour, and again, it's the finale. And hopefully, you're still with us. You can watch, you can listen to this in two parts. So you know, that's a cool, cool thing about the pause button. But we we got a little bit more long to, to to go here. So let's just let's let's get in here and let's talk about this juicy scene. I have to say, it is one of my favorite scenes in the uh, finale. And there were some cool ones in this uh, this finale, but this one brought the house down. Yeah, this was bets. a yeah. So Sansa's standing up on the battlements, you know, in her winter cloak, looking all a Dale-like. I think the crane shot's going to happen. She's going to start singing, hello. And um, she has Arya summoned to the Great Hall. So if you weren't paying attention, and if you weren't in, uh, you might have thought that Littlefinger has actually done his, his usual sorcery on Sansa, and she believes that Arya is a piece of shit who's trying to take her out and trying to kill her. And she has her summoned to the Great Hall. And it's played very, very well uh, because Arya comes in, you know, she's escorted in, stood in the middle of the Great Hall, and you've got Sansa up there with Bran. And like finally Bran's inside. Finally Bran's He's not in the Godswood hanging out. The three-eyed ravening in it. So he's sitting up there, and uh, Arya says, are you sure you want to do this? Now, Littlefinger, by the way, is perched along the wall. The Knights of the Vale, all the North, uh, the North Lord, Northern Lords are lined in the room on either side of Arya. So it definitely looks like this, you know, this inquest, right? So it's like, um, you sure you want to do this? And Sansa's like, I have to. It's an honor thing. I have to defend the North from those who would betray us. And Arya's like, all right, then, get on with it. And so Sansa's looking at her, and she says, you know, you stand accused of murder. You stand accused of treason. How do you answer these charges? Then swings her head over to Lord Baelish. Everyone, uh... He's like, whoop! 
And then, of course, I mean, I kind of, you were saying this all along. I note it. I note it. You just note it. And you were telling me, you were like, no, there's no way these two are, like, playing Littlefinger. There's no way Arya is going to, like, not know that Littlefinger is not, like, creeping on her. You said it from day one. Arya's a ninja. She is a ninja. You can't see her until she's got you. You're already bleeding on the floor. So he's like, what, excuse me? And just kind of like looking at her dumbfounded. And Arya is like, my sister asked you a question, fool. And he's like, Lady Sansa, forgive me. I'm confused. And Sansa starts, oh, man, she's got the receipts. She's, she's like, got the receipts. She's got like, all of them. You. All of and the receipts. on this date? Because she sit next to Google. Anyway, so, okay, let me clear this up for you. You murdered our Aunt Lysa. You push her to the moon door. Because she was she there. She saw that. Yeah, she's right? right there. Do you deny it? He's like, I did it to protect you. And he's not wrong. And then he, he said, uh, she said, no, you did it to, to take the power in the veil. And then earlier, you conspired to murder John Aaron. You gave Lysa tears of lease to poison him. Do you deny it? Now he's like, what are you talking about? How the Ooh, fuck does she know that? that? And he's like, look, Lysa was crazy. She was crazy. Everybody knows she's crazy. And then she says, you made her write a letter to our parents saying it was the Lannisters who murdered John Aaron when it was really you. You started all this shit between the Lannisters and the Starks, bitch. Do you deny it? And you conspired with Cersei and Joffrey to betray our dad and get him executed, too. Do you deny it? He's like, I deny it. You know, none of you guys know the truth. None of you were there. How the hell would you even know any of this stuff? And then Bran is like... Uh, you held a knife to his throat, and I think you said I did warn you not to trust me. The look on Littlefinger's face, yeah. like all the it looks, was like that look from um, Chaos is a Ladder. Oh my god! Just like you think he would have known by now, but like he's too late to school at this point. And it's really funny seeing Aiden Gillen's face start from getting called out to all of his facial expressions are just like from zero to like. Oh, I'm so fucked. Are awesome. His reaction scenes are to my great. Throat cut. Oh my god, it's so good. And so, then they go through the whole. You know, he tries to plead his case. Um. Oh, and she has one more that she lays on. She's like, Arya says, "You told our mother this knife, this cat's paw, Valyrian knife, belonged to Tyrion Lannister, but that was another one of your lies. It was yours." And then he's like, "Wait, wait, wait." He's like, you know, on his knees in the woods and like Miller's Crossing, like, "Come on, I swear to God." And she says, sometimes when I try to under, this is Sansa, sometimes when I try to understand a person's motive, I play a little game. I assume the worst. What's the worst reason you have for turning me against my sister? By the way, this is what you do. You turn family against family. Yeah. This is your trade, your stock and trade. And I got to tell you, I'm a slow learner. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I learn. And then he runs over to the Vale guys, and he's like, hey, can I get a ride back to the Erie? You know, like, I need a ride back to the Erie. I command you. Erie dude's like, like bitch, please. Nope. You ain't getting a ride. And then he begs her, says, you know, I loved your mother. And Sansa's like, yeah, and yet you betrayed her. He goes, but, but, but okay, but I loved you, and I loved you more than anyone. And, and she's like, yeah, and yet you betrayed me, bitch. But she's like, but thank you for all of the life lessons, Petey. Thank you for t- teaching us how betrayal and shit works. Learn from a master. And then before anything can even go down, like Arya just moves in and just slashes his throat with just that like, cat's paw dagger. It's awesome. It's just like... It's like, it's like what Grey Worm did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just 
little arm action like that. You can't see because it's a podcast. And, you know, he kills over. And he's still trying to say bullshit. Even as his throat is cut, this motherfucker trying to, like, just probably tell another lie. And he's just croaking, like, aye. And then he just plat in his own blood. Like, nobody moves. Nobody bats an eye. Littlefinger is dead. He is dead as a rap on Littlefinger. I was getting tired of uh, that character. Yeah. But I think they gave him an awesome way to go. Even though it might, maybe it was a little bit too wrapped up in a bow, but I, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. Oh, I think he got what he deserved. He totally got what he deserved. You know. And then he got, he got humiliated, and then he got called down on his shit on all of his, like, big lies. He started this war. Then he shat himself in the Great Hall of Winterfell. So. Just, <laughs> so, just, we're, we're <laughs> just like the next scene is just cleaning up Littlefinger. <laughs> <laughs> the poor housemate is like, well, I gotta do this. Um, so King's Landing, Cersei comes into. Uh, every time I do that, it's my chair popping. I don't know if you guys are like, what's going on over there? That's just me. I wasn't farting. You're breaking shit. <laughs> breaking shit. I'm like drove. There's on. like a there's a fucking garbage can right where my feet go. Every time I move my feet, I hit it. You kick it right. Okay, we're gonna have that removed. Um, so we're at the map room with Cersei. You know, well, Jamie's actually in the map room and he's he's uh, meeting with his bannermen, right? His generals about how they're going to handle this um, this White Walker war to come. Yeah, wh- who's going where. And yeah, they're strategizing, strategizing how they're going to take this on because, you know, this is going to take all all hands, right? And she comes into the room and pulls Jamie aside. She goes, I need to talk to my brother, excuse this gentleman. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, um, this whole plan, this whole White Walker battle. Like we said, we're going to go fight with those guys. And she's like, you got to be the dumbest Lannister ever. <laughs> the dumbest Lannister. You're like the stupidest one. All and, you wanted to do was fight and ride and... And fuck a sister. Um, and she's like, he's like, we promised to do this thing. And she's like, I'm going to say whatever I need to, to to protect my ass. You know, we're staying here. We're going to let those guys go do this bullshit. We're staying out of it. And Jamie's like, wait, I made a promise. You know, if nothing else, Jamie has honor. And that's kind of like these the the two different sides of the same coin, these twins. You know, he's he is pretty pretty and dumb sometimes, but he also has this honorable side to him and he's like, I gave my word to these people. And she's like, Let the monsters kill each other, dude. We're not doing this. Our baby is gonna rule Westeros. And he's like, I don't think you heard what I heard or saw what I saw, but our baby ain't gonna rule shit. You ain't gonna have no baby. Right. These bitches move fast. So I think it's interesting that she should call him stupid because I think Cersei is being stupid here. Yeah, she is. And, you know, even, and like, like in this whole thing where she's like, you know, we've got the the, the Golden Companions. Do you the think, Golden Company, yeah. Golden Company. Do you think uh, Buron was just going to leave me like that? He's bringing him over. It's like you're banking on that. Yeah, you're going to bring – like, you, you have 20,000 – you've bought 20,000 men. You're going to bring 20,000 men and, what, a few uh, odd elephants. And even if you had 20,000 bronze. You're fighting undead magical creatures. You don't get it. You and he's like, hundred. this is 100,000 at least. Not to mention that nobody knows what's going down with the Night King right now. Yeah. But, like, she's, I think this is where she's completely, where she fucks up in this is that, A, she's calling him out for not being intelligent. She's telling him you don't need to honor your word. She's telling him nonsense where he th- he, he's been, again, a soldier, a career soldier. And then the blow here is you conspired with Euron Greyjoy without telling me the general of your armies yeah. about this bullshit. 
And she's like, yeah, he, he wants a queen and nobody walks away from me. And I promised him all kinds of stuff. And he's like, what are you, are you kidding me? So he doesn't even get anything in this. And she's like, I don't even need, he goes, We're, it's just me and you. And she goes, I don't need you. I have your baby inside of me. I don't need. And he's like, wow, bitch. She is, You're just running everybody yeah, off. She's off. I mean, she is off. She is. She's lost the plot. Yeah. She's overplaying her hand. She's not listening to reason. And he's just like, you know what? I'm riding north. And she threatens him. This is where she really That's, fucks and up. And see, this is the thing. This is the second time in one, in one episode where she threatens a family member. She threatens a brother. Exactly. With the mountain. With the mountain. So when she threatens Jamie with the mountain to strike him down, he's looking at her like, are you fucking crazy, bitch? I guess you are. You would kill me? And I totally thought, like, for the same moment we with, when, with, with her and Tyrion, mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, is this going to go down like yeah, this? Yeah, and again, for the second time, now, this one I understood, he just, he calls her bluff and he walks away. You know, with that music that was playing when she was looking out of the Septa Baylor that was on fire. Only this him doing his exit mu- music like, huh. Yeah. This is when, like, Tommen jumped out the window. It's that same music that was playing. Oh, okay. Of people who were, like, stepping away, leaving this earth. He's leaving her. And I think he's broken up for good. I think he's done. Well, he told her, he's like, I am the last person. That's it. I am the last one. And But she can't do it. Again, she can't. Obviously, she can't kill Jamie as much as she wants to be that person, but she's lost her fucking mind, and she's now she's totally isolating herself. All on her own now. And when and when they do that look back, and she's standing right in front of the the map and those arches, it's like she's all alone. And you can see it on her face too. Yeah. I think she goes, "I might have just fucked up." Uh oh. And he is actually serious because he always does what I tell him to do, and he's not doing it. And so here's a little. Interesting thing about the show. He's riding outside of King's Landing. He goes to put his glove on his, uh, his, his golden hand. And we see a snowflake drop. And as he looks up, we see snowfall. And we cut to all these various scenes around King's Landing of the snow finally coming to the south. This very fortuitous moment of Jamie is leaving. The queen is isolated. The snow is falling. And I do think that the, the previous kind of foretelling of this is I think it's going to be a mixture of ash and snow before it's over with because she's certainly taking herself in that direction. But you get it. You just got these great scenes of winter yeah. finally coming. Um, back at Winterfell. So he's going, is he going? I think, think he's going to Winterfell. I he's think that's where he's going. Winterfell. He's not taking his bannermen, obviously. She's saying, I'm going to hold my armies back. They're going to do my bidding. I don't know if you're going to see any mutiny. Um, I don't know who she's going to have command of that army, but they respect Jamie. Those guys will follow him to battle. What'll, what happens to their bannermen without Jamie at the helm? But he's certainly not riding out of town with you know guys with him. Well, I think he's yeah, just. Like, I think yeah. he's given his word, and he's like, all I can do is pledge myself to this fight, and that's where I'm headed. Well, that's the thing with like Braun. It's like, did he get? Do you think he got a message to Braun? Be like, yo, I'm I'm piecing out. It's gonna be interesting. If you want to come? Yeah. Meet me over here by the, you know. Well, he's gonna need Braun because he's shit with a sword. Yeah. Did he ever learn how to fight left-handed? Yeah. Um. So we're we're at Winterfell, and Sam arrives with Gilly and the the baby, the baby Craster. Sam makes it back to Winterfell. It's awesome. It's so awesome to see, and 
this again second probably favorite scene in the episode everyone's gonna meet up at winterfell watch i think so yeah they better clean that poop stain off the middle of the dining hall nobody wants that gotta eat in here and this is where Littlefinger died <laughs> this is where he died yes there we go this is where sansa was raped um <laughs> this is where uh ramsey's uh ramsey died in the kennels and over here we have the murder tour of, <laughs> of winterfell this is where Bran was attacked by the, the assassin. This is where he was pushed out of this the tower. Is where, and he fell. See that one way up there? He fell all the way down. The really morbid Stark castle tour. Uh, okay, so this exchange between Sam and Bran is probably one of my favorites because you have the, the two guys who know all the stuff. And yeah. just when Bran thinks as a three, I'm the three-eyed raven, I know all the stuff, Sam's like, nuh-uh. Um, Sam, he hasn't seen Bran in a while. And obviously, Bran, you know, he helped get Bran beyond the wall. But he knows that something's not right with the kid. He he automatically just is looking at him like, what's he on? What's, is he on some Vicodin? Yeah. What's going on? And he's like, what happened to you beyond the wall? And uh, Bran just starts to him. I love the way these two played this, by the way. <laughs> I love the way they played this. Bran is like, I became the three-eyed raven. And Sam's like, oh. Oh, yeah. Bob, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that but means. cool thing, you know. Awesome. You know. Good for you. And Rand's like, no, no, no. I can see things that happen Does in the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can see things that happen in the past. I can see things happening now. And I can see things that are happening all over the world. And he starts to tell. Uh, he can't see the future, can he? Can he? I think he probably can. I think, because I think every... when his powers come into play, because they're still, we had to remember, he's not fully into his powers obviously from this scene we'll see that he can't but the th- when he was with the other three eye raven he never took him into the future right and we don't know and he never the of in his this powers. thing he said i can see the past and i can see everything What's that's going happening. on right now yeah i don't know i mean i would hope that he can't see the future because i think that not being being able to see the future tells me that events can change and change that outcome so well, i don't know yeah see that's the, you know that's the, th- the one thing that i've been thinking about is like if he can see the future, then you know he knows exactly. Yeah, that's why I don't really. So I, was just I don't buy like, the oh. theory that he can see the yeah. future, and I don't buy the and theory that, that was... Bran is the Night King. Yeah. I don't think they're the same person, guys. I just don't think that's. I thought it was interesting that they—that's the you know the, the language that they use. Yes, he doesn't say. I mean, if we if he knows that, if he can do that, maybe he either knows that and is not telling anyone. But let's get into the rest of this exchange because you know Sam tells Bran he goes, I know. I know now that John is the one to lead this fight against the dead, and he can't do this by himself. And I've come to help in, in whatever way I can. And Bran is like, "Oh, he's on his way back to Winterfell with Daenerys Targaryen." And Sam's like, "Oh, well, you saw this in a vision?" <laughs> and Bran's like, "No, I got a text." He holds up the Raven Scroll. So I love how the show is playing with its own kind of lore in its own story like this. It's like, yeah, we we all know this stuff and now these characters are telling it to each other and they're having fun doing it. Um, but Bran goes, but he needs to know the truth. And Sam's like, the truth about what? He goes, about himself. Now, nobody knows this but me. Uh, John really isn't my father's son. He is the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and my aunt, Lyanna Stark. So if anybody didn't know that until this moment, <laughs> people yeah. who are still like, I don't know who John's parents are. They're still holding out. He just says... You know, and he was born in a in a tower in Dorne, and his last name isn't really Snow; it's Sand. Now, Bran's sitting over there in his wheelchair, all snug like, and Sam's like, "Oh no, it's not." Bran's like, 
no, Dornish uh, bastards are named uh, Sand. Sand is like, no, at the Citadel, I transcribed a High Septon's diary, okay? And he annulled Rhaegar's marriage to Ilya, Martell, Oberyn's sister. He wed Rhaegar and Lyanna in a secret ceremony. And Bran's like, what? I must have skipped that chapter. Because he's not fully plugged in. He's already said several times, you know, he's still coming into focus. He's not the Three-Eyed Raven yet. Like, I mean, he is the Three-Eyed Raven, but he's like... He's learning how to use his Yeah, his he's powers. not in full focus, right? And Sam's like, it's what the High Septon wrote in his private, uh, private, private diary. I know, I don't know why he'd lie. Is this something you can see? I guess all you got to do is ask Bran to see stuff. And he's like, okay, give me a minute. So he, he goes to the wedding in his brain. And he goes to see Rhaegar and Lyanna uh, getting married under a tree by this high septon who's recorded it. Now, here's a question I have for you. Why are they getting married uh, as the seven? I think it's just because there's... It's the septon. The that, septon that, that's yeah. his preference. If you get a septon no. to marry you, you have to do... Because I don't... The Targs don't follow the seven. And the Starks follow the old gods. Yeah, I don't or did the Targaryens follow the seven? I don't know, I'm sure they know. do, and I've forgotten it. I mean, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't feel like it's a Targ thing. I don't know. I feel like they're kind of like the atheists of these groups of people. I don't know. What they worship they, dragons. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was bizarre that they did the whole pledge of the thing. But what we got from the way they cast the actor who played Rhaegar, he looks a hell of a lot uh, like the series. Yeah, he kind of does. They look almost identical. It's really strange. And, of course, they brought back the same actress who played Lyanna. And so Bran has this realization. He's like, wait a minute. You know, Robert's rebellion was based on a lie. So Rhaegar didn't kidnap my aunt or rape her. And while Bran is recounting this love story between Rhaegar and Lyanna, we cut to John at Danny's bedroom door on the ship, the Targaryen ship that's headed toward White Harbor. And Bran's narration takes us into he loved her and she loved him as Danny and John are looking at each other. Yeah. Now we cut to this scene of Tyrion is watching John go into her chambers. And he does not have a look like, thumbs up, dude. The wolf's getting laid. He has this very troubled look on his face. Yeah, I don't know what that's... I don't know why. I th- I honestly took that to mean that this makes them vulnerable. I think them being in love with each other, he sees trouble ahead with that for some reason. But now there are two – he doesn't know this, of course. Nobody knows it. J- no, yeah. Don. J- Don. <laughs> Johnny. Generis <laughs> don't know that they they're related yeah. while they're doing they it. it. They're doing the deed. And, I mean, would would they have boned had they known their, like, aunt and nephew? See, I mean, I, I sort of took it, like, as if Tyrion knows something. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know think so. Is. I think Tyrion is just seeing this. He's taking it for face value and going, "There's this is not. This could be a problem. Yeah. Mm. You know, because he's, he's already, he's told her not to hang out with Dario. Dario. She said, you know, get rid of Dario. Can't think him. You can't roll to the capital with a boyfriend. And I don't know. There's something to that. We'll figure it out. But as we're going through, we hear Bran is narrating the story, and we see Lyanna uh, laying in the bloody bed at Dorne at the Tower of Joy, and Ned's at her side. And Bran says, and by the way, John's real name is Aegon Targaryen, to which I jumped up and down and spun in yeah. circles because a lot of us have known for quite some time that John is actually Aegon Targaryen. He's not Jon Snow at all. Um, somebody figured it out through lip reading of the actress uh, last year, 
it was also just out in the fan world, the theory world, that he was Aegon. So that's confirmed. Which another, but another weird thing is, is that Rhaegar's other child, second child, the only son with um, Ilya, Ilya Martell, yeah, was also named Aegon. Yeah, cousins. I guess we'll try this again. <laughs> Daddy. My half-brother has the same name as me. <laughs> it's so weird. Okay, so you know, John and Danny are doing it. We're hearing this narration. Um, he's like, he's never been a bastard, by the way. He's, an, he's the heir to the Iron Throne. So Bran is having this realization from his vision because he's seeing it. He's gone back into the Tower of Joy. And I totally, we totally know that John and Danny are making a baby. Yeah. We know a baby's going to happen out of this whole union. They're sailing to White Harbor. I don't know. I Just the significance of the ship. We could have cut right out of that scene and been done. But no, we cut back to the ship. And I think that's where we see this is where the next Targaryen Stark baby is being conceived. So so Winterfell and Arya um, and Sansa are having this talk at the battlements. It's a cute little scene. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here with it. But they're talking about how good job and the whole little thing finger finger thing they're kind of giving each other a high five but it's like it had to be done you did the right thing and Arya's like um i was just the executioner you passed the sentence and now you're seeing how the two stark sisters are learning how to rule you know you have the three stark children back at winterfell and they all have their strengths and Arya's like my role to play is you know I'm the faceless killer guy. You need somebody killed? Uh, I'm just the executioner. Yeah, you know, you don't have to get blood on your dress. You can sew things, and you can sit here and, like, make sure nobody starves to death during the long winter. And then Bran can just Google people and go, yep, no, he's suspect. So, and then they talk about how together, that it's sort of like that philosophy of the Starks is the lone wolf, uh, you know, doesn't survive the winter. The pack survives. So, um and then Arya throws a bone to Sansa, and she goes, look, I, I, w- I, I agree. I wouldn't have survived that situation with you. And Sansa's like, you would have. You're the strongest person I know. And uh, Arya's like, I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. She's like, well, don't get used to it. You're still very strange and annoying. So and they talk about missing their pop. So now we've got the Godswood. We're taking into our final scene. Um where Bran is warging at the Godswood, and he's sending all of these ravens. And I think he's, you can see he's sending dozens and dozens of ravens toward Eastwatch. But I think they're getting there right as this moment is happening, because you have Tormund is um, in the guard tower, Beric Dondarrion, and these ravens are just all around them. And I don't think they've had time to, like, read any of these messages, I'm, I'm taking that to mean that Bran is warning them that what's coming. Because what's coming is the White Walker army is right outside uh, Eastwatch. They're right fucking there. Yeah. They're, and just, they're, just, they're downstairs. They're downstairs. They're, you know, outside the foyer. And the general, the Craster generals, I'm going to call them the White Walker Craster generals, are rolling up with all of these guys behind them. You have got, you know, the giants and whatever. And then we hear it. You know, the war horn is almost, it's sounding too late. It's like they're, they've been caught off guard. Because, again, wildlings are not Brothers of the Night's Watch. They just got this gig. Oh, yeah. So maybe they don't even know to read the ravens. Maybe they don't know how that works. 
Um, it be like two two blows, one blow. Yeah, or I something. felt like everything was like, a little bit lagging yeah. behind because this is not their regular gig. You know, they've been killed by the brothers of the Night's Watch all these years. So I felt like that was kind of like their fault. They were not asleep at the watch, but they just didn't know. So next thing you know, what do we see? Is the Night King on the back of Viserion now and the Ice, ice dragon. dragon? And what does he do? Melting ice fire. He's just taking that wall down. Yep. And not only is he, he taking down a centuries-old wall that's been built up over the years, he's unwarding the magic that keeps the Night King out. If it was just a matter of building a wall, those guys would have scaled it. You know? They're impervious. That's true. They would have just stacked one on top of each other like World War Z style and yeah. just climbed the motherfucker. You know, if you've got that many people, you just climb up over it. It's been warded... Um, with magic by Bran the Builder back in the day, who eventually, you know, oversaw the building of the wall. So now we have a porous wall. They can. It's a, also a very strategic place on the map uh, at East Watch. You can get to a lot of things very quickly there. And the North is in serious, serious trouble because everything beyond the wall has been turned into an army. And here we are, that guy flying on the back of the Syrian. And we're fucked. That was nuts, too. And the way they made it look, it's like it flew faster. It was crazy. And seeing the holes in its wings. So I don't know. Um, I'm glad you stayed with us. I know it's been a a fairly long podcast to listen to. I hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed talking about it. Uh, We got a whole, what, a year, maybe more, to see season eight, six episodes to get all this done. How will they do it? They'll find a way. I trust them. Well, now that it's all out for season seven... You know, you can take a, a good seven hours and just be like all just do an all day binge. Just kick it in seven, seven hours. Yeah. When your father comes back and finish October, your dad's all caught up. He can just sit down in a day, you know, but he likes to take two or three of them in at a time. So, yeah, well, I, last time I talked to him, he was going to I told him he'd, be, he'd do it in a week. Right. He'd finish it in less than a week. Probably. Your mom doesn't like him to sit so long and watch TV. Well, she doesn't like Game of Thrones. She just just so much. It's soft core porn. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to plug something before we leave. Uh, a guy reached out to us. His name is Muggsy. He's a, a hip-hop artist out of Australia. And uh, we wanted to give a shout-out to Muggsy if you want to listen to his music. There's lots of places to check it out. We're going to list up some links for you on the Ashland Podcast uh, page on Facebook. So you can go and check those out and read about Muggsy. Um, we would have normally had a little bit more time to plug him, but uh, he's got some great music. We listened to a few of his tracks that he's got out um, we got to listen to it the other night. It's got uh, "Understand Me" and "Can't Stop uh, Can't Stop His Feet" with Pablo, and then "My Journey." So check out him uh, and his music. He's from uh, he's from Australia, and uh, sorry we didn't have more time to go into that. We had to talk about a bunch of bunch of stuff, man. We had to talk about a bunch of shit that went down on Game of Thrones. We yeah. are a TV film podcast. You so. should watch it again. You should several times. Check and out then that watch look. Watch the whole thing. Check out the look. Yeah. That she gives Brienne and then Jamie. And then you tell me what's going on there. You tell me. Cersei crazy though. She crazy. All right, you guys have a great week and take care of yourself. And uh yeah. We will see you pretty soon. We're gonna be talking about robots soon, a bunch of other shows. We're not going anywhere. This show's going away, but we're not going anywhere. So yeah. Um uh, thanks for listening and We'll have Game of Thrones again, 2019. Or 20. Or 20. Yeah. So. 
All right, guys. All right. Peace. Peace.